welcome back to the podcast. We we have a lot of questions from parents of prodigals, and those parents want to walk wisely, as you can imagine, Pastor John. Dennis is a father. He writes in to us to ask this. Pastor John, thank you for this podcast. I have a 16-year-old prodigal son who has left our home and walked away from Christ. I struggle to know whether I should generously financially support him in the world like the father in the prodigal son's story, or unlike what it seems Eli should have done. Should I take a more strict position in relating to my rebellious son? The prodigal was given his inheritance. He blew it on lewd living and returned home in repentance. Eli's sons were wicked. They lived in all sorts of sin that was unchecked and unrepented of, and they died for it. Abundant grace or strict restraint? What should the father of a prodigal do, especially in regards to finances? Well, I love the way he has already thought a lot about this and thought about it from the scriptures. And frankly, um, <laughs> I don't, I wish I had, I wish I had precise and clear answers, but um, let me say what I do have and uh, maybe the Lord will use it in some way. Uh, one of the things that makes a relationship with a prodigal so difficult and complex is the interplay between passages of the Bible concerning church discipline and passages concerning parenting. One of the hard church discipline issues is that on the one hand, we have a call, for example, not even to eat with someone who's a professing believer and living in immorality. And on the other hand, normal expectations of what godly parenting is that might make that kind of guideline very difficult to carry through. And and there are many other kinds of ambiguities as we try to sort through the special role of a parent in the life of a child who will not submit to his parents' authority any longer or or doesn't believe any longer in what the parents believe. So with regard to financial help for a prodigal, I can't see that there is just one rule that applies to every situation. It seems to me that there are so many factors that make a difference. How old is he? How serious is his sinful behavior? And what are the effects of it on others and the harmfulness of it on himself? Are there elements of respect remaining in his heart? Is there departure? Uh, what was his departure ugly rebellion or, or just a more honest difference of conviction? Is he eager to get on his own feet financially, or is he just aimless and simply mooching? And on and on the questions go that seem to me we'd have to ask. And and the reason I think these questions matter is because they are the sort of thing we have to ask about all of our generosity towards others, especially those who mistreat us. I'm thinking of Jesus' words in, in Matthew 5, 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a truth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. 
So that's Matthew 5, 38 to 42. And it, as radical as those are, and I'm going to circle back to that radicalness in just a minute, it is plain that from the Bible itself that there are structures of society, seers of society, where the Bible puts limits on those teachings. For example, in the family, children should obey their parents and, and parents should discipline their children rather than always turning the other cheek. In government, the state has a right to punish criminals rather than turning the other cheek. In schools, teachers have a right to give failing grades to students who don't do their work. In businesses, employers have the right to, to see that employees fulfill their expectations in order to earn their salary. Otherwise, they could lose their jobs. In the church, people can be excommunicated. But when all those spheres of life are, are taken into consideration— Jesus did mean something radical when he said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And when he said, give to the one who begs from you. So the, the older I get, the more inclined I am to take those commands more literally than I once tried to justify myself in not doing. So I don't think there is a simple rule that will dictate when you help a prodigal financially and when you don't, on, on the one hand, you, you want to show the child that Jesus is your all-satisfying treasure. And any withholding of money, which might be wise in any given situation, it might be wise, is not owing to stinginess or fear or greed or insecurity. It's owing to a desire to do the child good. And we want him to see that. And that would mean that parents would look for other ways to continually do good to the child. I think that's a, a significant principle that if you if you have to say no in one area because the child's expectation is harmful as you see it, you try to help him see your heart is still there for him by pouring yourself out in other ways. You'll You'll continually reach out to him rather than write him off. You'll continually offer yourselves, even if you don't offer your money. And that may be much more difficult. I mean, to get to get on a plane and, and go across the country might be much more difficult than wiring money. You will go out of your way to be there for the child and... Yes, at some utterly surprising moment, you may give him a wonderful gift that is not designed to advance his sin, but lavish him with grace in the hopes that God might open his eyes. But above all, um, I would just say to this parent, immerse yourself in the word of God and join hands with your spouse in continual prayer for wisdom and love and boldness and even joy while your heart is breaking. And I think God, out of that, will show you the way forward. Yes. Joy in the sorrow. Uh, a lot of wisdom to pray for in these situations. Thank you, Pastor John, for working through this question if you have a question that you just can't quite figure out or some issue that's confusing you, email us your question at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. And, of course, you can find our audio feeds and our episode archive all through our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, why is John Piper a Baptist? 
We're going to ask him that when we return on Wednesday. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast.